In the entertainment capital of the world, the world. Touchdown, Las Vegas. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Show. Airs it out down the middle for Adams. Got it. Inside at the 10. Devontae. Touchdown. What a play on fourth down. It's time to get your daily prescription. Prescription. From the doctor. Hump day. Football starting right back again tomorrow. Raiders, three days off, right back at it after scoring zero against the Vikings. And tomorrow night, the Raiders back at home twice. What, four days? Raiders and Chargers. Tomorrow we start talking about that today, as well as NFL football on Saturday. So we get back to that routine. I can relate to that much better than having two games on Monday Night Football at the same time. That just drove me nuts the other night. Crazy. And we're doing this and towards the end of the season? I don't know. All right. Plenty of NFL. We will touch on this. Our Andy Isco will join us a little bit later on in the hour. Handicap of the Week 15 card. And we continue on. And if I miss any part of the show, go to the website. Check it all out. TCMartinShow.com. And don't forget Friday, back at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the world-famous Superbook, Mark McMillan will be joining us. Grilling Mark McMillan, Fly Eagle Fly Mark McMillan, Chief Mark McMillan, Alabama Mark McMillan. Always fun with him. So he will join us down at the Westgate inside the Superbook on Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Come on down and see the show live. All right, we continue on here this hour. Talk a little NFL with the Raiders insider himself, our guy, ESPN, Paul Gutierrez. What's going on, brother? How you doing, man? All right, here's the you ready for the big question here today, Paul? Well, we've got two big questions. Okay, we got two big questions. All right, all right. So the first one is, you know, we've been talking a lot about the Pop Tart Bowl and some of these ridiculous bowl names, right? I need to know, going back to the Paul Gutierrez, you know, South Central LA days, what was your go to Pop Tart flavor? <laughs> you know, uh you know, it was just a chocolate, just a basic uh, run of the mill chocolate Pop Tart. Really? Yeah, really? yeah, I'm a basic guy, man. I can't, basic guy. I can't remember them having a chocolate pop tart. I remember having a cinnamon pop tart. You know, and then then no, I, I, I unless I'm unless I'm having uh, bad flashbacks. Maybe they were only available in Barstow. Yeah, but no, I remember <laughs> chocolate. I remember chocolate, and maybe they maybe they weren't even pop tarts. Maybe they were the uh, you had the, a knock uh, the plain brown label, the knockoff, the plain brown label from Stater Brothers uh, pop tarts. <laughs> That's what I said. Numbchuck is on this right now. He is. He is on this. He is it's like chocolate pop tart. I got to say that is. If I was on a like a game show right now, I would say uh, or the true or false that we, they do at Allegiant Stadium. Yeah, I say that's yeah. false, Paul. I say that you are well, maybe you're, you're confused. maybe it was just a brownie. Maybe I was just eating brownies for breakfast. I don't oh, know. <laughs> there it is. You and Ice Cube back in the day. There it is. Oh man. All right. All right. So that's it. So you, you can't. Uh oh. What do we got, Nubcha? A chocolate pop tart? Is it true? We'll go our live on the spot reporter, Paul Gutierrez in Barstow, and Numchuck, who knows where he's at, with a live pop tart update. Chocolate pop tarts did exist. Okay, thank you. But they were discontinued. <laughs> what year? Uh, it doesn't say. It doesn't say. All right, Paul, come on. You you can't give me a strawberry. You can't give no. me. You can't give me a no a blueberry. How about a cinnamon? I love the cinnamon back in the no, day. No, no cinnamon. See, even right now, thinking about that gives me a weird like taste in the back of my my throat right now. So no, no, I'm I'm sticking with. I'm sticking with what I know, and if they don't exist anymore, then that's probably a good thing, which means I haven't had one in a minute, so it's all good. Oh, uh, good. All right, Beat Street or Breakin? Oh, Beat Street. Yeah, see? Well, you know what? You know what? Uh, maybe the original Breakin. When they started doing uh, yes. Electric Boogaloo, that's what we're that, talking guy, about. that guy kind of lame. Yeah, that guy kind of lame. No, no, we, we go with the originals here. There's no question. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I'm gonna, being a West Coast guy. I'm going to go with 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 uh, breaking then because B yeah. Street was more New York, and I didn't understand that until I moved to New York in the mid '90s. So I'm, I'm going to stay to my roots. I love it too. And, and, and one of the and one of the best songs that still today 
when I hear that Ollie and Jerry, and I hear when I hear ain't no stopping breaking, when ain't I no hear stopping. this bad boy, it's all over, Paul. That's it. I, I'm taking I'm, I'm taking about two minutes off just so I can hold on. Nubchuck, give me the cardboard right now. Go, oh, baby. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Now I know it's a little poppy and everything, Paul, but but come on, this this was a jam, man. Well, I'm just wondering, were you more Team Turbo or Team Ozone? Uh, you know, I could go. I'd probably lean towards Ozone because Ozone was the was the leader. Turbo was a follower. You know, Turbo he he could pop and lock with the best of them, but you know, to me, he was like a mascot. You know, Turbo right. Turbo was running stuff, if you know what I mean, right? Yeah, but he, he kind of took himself a little too seriously, and whereas the other guy was out there dancing with a broom in the street. So, you know, again, it, you know, it's different flavors, just like Pop-Tarts, whatever whatever floats your boat. I, okay, I, I think we'd probably agree. I could do without Kelly, or give me give me, give me me somebody else than Kelly with that short hair. That, that didn't fly with me. <laughs> Kelly, who also would go on to fame as a possessed ninja. In like some really bad beat martial arts movies after Whoa, break. Oh, I had yeah, no she idea. Was she was a ninja. She has a little martial arts. Because remember, in, in the breaking movie, she was a gymnast, right? Correct. A ballet dancer, that, right. all that kind of thing. So yeah. she, she incorporated that into her martial arts uh, movies later, where she became like um, possessed by a bad ninja. So that's all I know. And then I'm going to look at IMDb when we get off the phone and. <laughs> I'll get to the bottom of it. There you go. I was just going to say, there's an IMDb uh, guy, uh, Paul Gutierrez, all, all over that. I had no idea. I mean, I just thought uh, it was breaking. That was the end of her. So that's that's, oh, that's, that's some strong stuff right there. That's that's, that's my that's, goal every day is to teach somebody something new about something that doesn't matter every a, single day. <laughs> w- w- would would you like to teach Bo Hardigree, uh, you know, uh, uh, something more than three yards in, in a cloud of turf? Would you like to do that? No. Uh, no. No comment. No comment. <laughs> uh, sorry. Sorry about that. Should, <laughs> I shouldn't have went there with that. Should have done there. <laughs> All right, man. So um, how long did it take you to, to get over that debacle that we saw Sunday, the 3-0 fiasco there? I don't know if you lost sleep or actually you gained some sleep during the course of the game. You know what was interesting was it was boring. It was terrible. But it was so bad it was good. And for me, I actually kind of like started to enjoy it about midway through the fourth quarter because I'm like, whoa. Are we going to watch the first ever zero zero tie in NFL history here, with including overtime? So I start at a certain point, and this goes back to the very beginning of my career when I was interning at the Oakland Tribune, summer of '93. I was covering the APSC convention. Jim Murray was there, the, the late great Jim Murray from the LA Times, mm-hmm. and I remember asking him how hard it was for him to not root for a certain team, for a certain player, when he was covering them. If he if he knew the team, if he knew the player, how hard is it to not root for him when you're writing your columns and you're covering games? And he said he never rooted for column. He never rooted for players. He never rooted for teams or outcomes. He rooted for storylines. And that is where I found myself rooting for a certain storyline for it to be as just ridiculous as possible because nobody had ever seen that before. And that could have been history. And even Devontae Adams yesterday said, you always want to be part of history, just not that kind of history. So, yeah, it was boring up until about halftime. And then I don't know what happened with the halftime show because I usually get geeked up for whoever's up there. I don't know what they did. Uh, but then the game just got uglier and uglier. It's like, okay, well, then let's do this. Yes. If we're going to do it, let's do it. So a 3 nothing ball game, I'm thinking, okay, did did Ken Herbeck hit a three-run homer for the for the Twins and that's what happened in this game? Or, or Kirby Puckett went deep? Uh, you know, something. And, and it was just I, it, it was just a strange, strange atmosphere. And the fact that both teams were coming off buys, and that's all they could do offensively. Yeah, it, it tipped the cap to both teams' defenses, but offensively, I mean, those are the kinds of games that get people fired or not brought back, uh, whatever the case may be. Beautiful a Minnesota Twins reference there. Um, I would just equal that with uh, old-school Harmon Killebrew or more modern-day Torrey Hunter. How's that? I was, and I was there when Torrey Hunter misplayed Mark Kotze's mm. line drive, and Kotze hit the inside the parker in the 2006 AL Division Series at the late great Metrodome. So yeah, I was there too. Uh, unbelievable uh, pop charts, <laughs> breaking uh, breaking facts that uh, no one could find, and and this uh, great uh, Metrodome history moments. Yes, unbelievable from Paul Gutierrez. I, I love it, man. I'm with you with everything that you just said as far as like okay, like rooting for storylines and just all of a sudden okay now we're you know because if it was you know nine to three or seven to three you know okay just we're we're no man's land but now when it's right. nothing nothing at the two minute warning you're saying okay now yeah this is beyond 
uh, belief and okay, yeah, now let's see what's going to happen. I'm with you. I was watching that, that same thing in the second half going like, you know, I, I don't mind a low scoring game. I don't mind a pitcher's duel. I really don't, you know, uh, especially yeah. if you got elements involved, but you know, it was, it was perfect weather conditions inside Allegiant stadium that day. And I just, you know, chalk it up really to a lot of bad football, but, uh, no, I, I, I hear you with that. And then now you look at, you know, you mentioned Devonte Adams. I mean, how, how, where does Devonte stand with all of this? I mean, he's got a quarterback that can't get him the football. We know we've talked about this before. He did not sign up for this. You know, what he's, you know, involved with not only a losing team, but just, you know, not having, you know, his quarterback that he signed up for, not even having the new guy that they brought in and paying, you know, a boatload of money for. But now you've got a fourth round draft pick and he can't get the football. I mean, how bad is this if you're Devontae Adams right now? I, I kind of made a little bit of a joke about it today when the injury report came out and, and granted they, they had a walkthrough, so it wasn't a real practice. So they have to do a, an estimation and he was out. He would have been out today with illness. So I wanted to put illness dot, dot, dot sick of this stuff right. you know, because right. he spoke yesterday and, 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 and I did a bigger story on him earlier in the season and he was frustrated then. Um, and it's obvious how much frust- the frustration is mounted since. Um, and yet he's a professional, you know, he, he said it yesterday. He said all the right things again, uh, acknowledged that he, he blew out of the locker room. The way I wrote it was, you know, there were no, there was no, uh, cigar smoke, celebrate celebration or, or cigar smoke coming out of the locker room. Uh, instead that was contrails, uh, left right Devonte for how fast he left the locker room. Um, but in any knowledge, you know, you I hope you guys understand the frustration that's going on here. And it was because it was embarrassing to him. To, to put up a, uh, a goose egg, as he put it. So, yeah, there's still pride to play for. You know, they still got an outside shot of running the hit table and trying to sneak into the playoffs. We saw them do that back in 2021. Uh, he wasn't here then, obviously, but, but, you know, there's, there's more to it. And as he said, they're playing for the names on the back and the front of their jerseys. And there's, there's simply, you know, if you're a pro, you go out there and you lace them up and you try to put on a show, especially as he mentioned, for the fans that pay their hard earned money to come into the stadium. Right. And speaking of those fans and then and going back to the you know what we were just talking about, you know, 62,000 fans are going to remember being there on Sunday for seeing the worst game that they've ever seen ever. And you know, we remember that stuff. Whether it's us as fans or you know reporters covering the game or whatever it is, we always remember these things. And I remember, you know, for me, that game that I went to as a fan, believe it or not, uh the first game back when the Rams, you know, relocated from St. Louis and it was, it was opening day against the Seattle Seahawks. And I remember that day for so many of the wrong reasons. One is the traffic was a nightmare. They ran out of yep. water at the end of the first quarter. It was 90 plus degrees. And I tried to get some water at the concession stand. You know how long you got to stand at the concession stand at LA Memorial Coliseum. And then the manager said to me, uh, well, I go, how could you run out of water in the first quarter? They go, we didn't expect this many people. I mean, we don't get this many people for USC games. You know, it's, it's true. They had 90,000 and then the game itself was 9-3 Seattle, uh, <laughs> against the Rams. I go, this is the worst game that I think that I've probably ever seen. And, uh, then, you know, of course, uh, the traffic, uh, afterwards. But let me ask you, as a fan or as a reporter, you got to remember what's the worst game you, you, ever saw it doesn't have to be football any sport i, I bet you remember it uh, i mean it depends on what you mean like worse in terms of of just this, that's just gross they're just terrible play or worse in I terms think so. of i think stags, you know a heart a, a dagger through the heart no or... no 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 just like oh my god what a what a dog of a game you know i just like, yeah. there was nothing happening in this game yeah, I think I got to go back to a game I covered. It was the Raiders against the Texans, I believe, in Oakland with Jamarcus Russell at go. quarterback. And I don't think I even need to say anything other than that. Yeah. So, perfect, perfect. And that's the thing. This game was, to me, this game, yeah, it was a dog, but I know. because yeah. there was history at stake, right. it made it kind of cool. Right. You know, what you just described, nine to three, eh, so what? You know, in terms of, for me. But if you got some, you know, that, that sounds worse than what we just saw. Right. I agree. And, I, mean, I, you agree. Know, I and, agree. And my, putting my beat writer hat on, I'm kind of like, as I'm watching this, and I'm watching this stellar defensive effort, and the offense just can't get out of its own way, I'm like, oh, I guess this is what covering Mark Wilson might have felt like as a, as a Raider beat writer in L.A. back in the day. Right, right, right. Because uh, I covered Jamarcus, uh, and I was actually there for, for Todd Marinovich's first ever start. 
uh, when I was in junior college. Ooh. So I've seen I've seen a lot. Of, I've never saw Mark Wilson play live, but I think that's kind of what it would have felt like. Yeah, no, <laughs> well put. Paul Gutierrez, ESPN, Raiders insider. All right, so the quarterback situation here. We know that Antonio Pierce was kind of non, uh, you know, committal when it came to. You know, he's talking about, uh, okay, are you going to go to Jimmy Garoppolo? And, you know, guys were pressing him on that after the game Sunday and even Monday. And, uh, you know, here's my take on this, Paul, and, and I'm curious about yours. But as much as, as fans would like to see Jimmy Garoppolo, and we all know that Jimmy Garoppolo gives the Raiders the best opportunity to win, we're not seeing Jimmy Garoppolo. We're not going to see them. And I, I just wish that Pierce would just come out and say, hey, you're going with O'Connell instead of saying, well, we're going to reevaluate. I get, I know you're reevaluating it, but really, does he even have that power? Does he got to go upstairs to Mark and say, listen, he gives us a better chance to win, but you got to believe that they're not going to play Garoppolo at all because of the car situation from last year. And if he does get hurt, they're going to be on the hook for money. Isn't this really correlated? Uh, I would say yes and no. If that is indeed the case, then why is he active on game days? I know. Because I know. He's, he's, a, he's one snap away from getting in there and getting hurt himself that way. You know, with Derek, at least, they shut him down, and then Derek took his ball and ran and didn't want to be here. And, you know, as much as he wanted to talk about these were his guys and he was a leader and everything, he left them. He left them high and dry. Yeah. And I know everybody said, well, they didn't want him in here. He could have hurt himself, blah, blah, blah. No, if you're a team leader, stick around, stay with your guys, stand on the sideline. Joe Montana was benched. Steve Young was benched. Eli Manning was benched. Even Peyton had to stand on the sidelines for a little bit. Why was that situation so different? I know I'm going on a tangent here, that but good. that to me is that's a different. That's that's apples and toasters we're talking about now. When you're talking about what Jimmy's going through, um, to me the perfect time to have brought Jimmy in, and Lincoln Kennedy said it during the broadcast on the radio, would have been in the fourth quarter, uh, just to give them a spark because you saw the Vikings weren't afraid to do it, right. and look what happened. He gave him just enough juice to kick a field goal. So to not do it at that point, I don't know if this week makes any more sense, uh, especially with your center out and your, your left tackle out. Um, Adam Schefter, my, my colleague at ESPN, just reported that it's expected to be uh, Aiden O'Connell, which is, you know, it's not really news, but that's, that's kind of the decision. So here we go, and we're going to figure it out. Um, you know, if they do win this game and, and they just kind of squeak by again and, and the offense does the same kind of thing, maybe, maybe you will see Jimmy depending upon what the goal is. What, what is the goal? You know, is the goal to win games? Is the goal to see if, if Aiden's the guy? Any questions I think that you had of him, whether he's the guy or not, I think were answered in the negative in that game the other day because there's just too many ups and downs and not taking enough shots and no internal clock. And, and, and again, I put it this way. I'm not going to sit here and say that they lost that game because of the quarterback. And yet, dot, 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 any semblance of competent quarterback play, they win that game by three scores. I agree. I, I totally agree. And then again, you know, I, I hate even, you know, bringing stuff up like this, but you know, there is a narrative out there and we've seen other reporters report it like, okay, well, hey, the Raiders now are, are kind of in, in draft mode and they jumped up what four or five spots just with that loss last week. And when you look at this team and you look at the injuries and then you look at the stagnation of the offense and especially at the quarterback position, especially if they're going to stick with O'Connell. I mean, I, I, it's kind of fair to say, too, like, are, are, are you playing for a draft pick next year? Because right now there are no signs here that anyone is really into this, Not whether it's the, the players, anyone that's like saying, hey, let, let's rally here. We're gonna, we got a chance, uh, you know, to, you know, finish whatever with, with eight wins or whatever with only four games left. I don't see any of that. I just kind of see this team, it sounds terrible, but like playing out the string. Well, one guy that definitely doesn't have that mindset is Max Crosby. We just talked to him in the locker room about sure. half an hour ago, and uh, he he said that he saw the same narratives out there that they, they that it should shut down certain guys and guys should not play anymore. He called it BS, and he didn't say BS, and he said it numerous times that if you're guaranteed 17 games to play, you got to do everything in your power to go out there and give your best. And that's Max Crosby. That's just his 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 personality. That's that's where he is in life. So. And, and you got to believe him because that's the way he plays. You know, he's playing with reckless abandon out there anyway and on a swollen left knee and, and doing what he needs to do. So that kind of attitude, meanwhile, I think is contagious. If the face of the franchise feels that way and plays that way, then that's definitely going to have an effect uh, on the rest of the team. It's kind of like osmosis. It's, it's inevitable that other guys are going to feel that way. And there's going to be a certain other guys like, what are we doing this for? You know, but uh, there's pride. 
Um, as Devontae said, you're playing for pride. Uh, Max said that if you get a chance to play at all, you got to give it your all every single time. And, and we'll see what the other guys, if they show up or not. Uh, you know, the, the injury report's out. Um, you know, nobody's doubtful. They're all questionable. And the only two that are out are Colton Miller and, and Andre James. So you just kind of roll the dice and see what happens out there. Yeah, and I agree with you. I, you know, from my perspective, I'm not I'm not suggesting that this is a, a player's uh, thing where, you know, players going to want to go out there and they want to play. They want to try to hit any type of bonuses they can with individual stats. Sure. Uh, they're into it. You know, for me, I think the question mark is more, you know, up up uh, at the management you know level. It's like, okay, yes. for example, okay, Antonio Pierce. Do you think Antonio Pierce has the authority to say, okay, I'm playing Jimmy Garoppolo? Or does he have to go upstairs and basically ask permission to play Jimmy Garoppolo? I would I would think he'd have to run it by somebody at the same way that um they basically had to to get the clearance from Mark Davis to bench the seventy two point seven five million dollar man, you know. So right. but, and if you're in an in an if you're in an interim position, there's gonna be an extra layer of, of uh of um, things you're going to have to go through. Yeah, right. actually, yeah. of approval to get things done, no doubt. But at the same time, Mark Davis likes to kind of wash his hands of a lot of him. Says, "Hey, he, and as he told me the night on Halloween night, yeah, they have the interim titles in front of them, but guess what? They have the jobs. They got to do the jobs. So let's see where they go from there. And yet, that, that, you know, let's bring reality into it. Yeah, he has the authority to do certain things if he wants. He's not going to go completely off the reservation, but uh, you know, and that's one of the things I wondered after that game. Initially, my initial knee-jerk reaction was, I think Antonio uh, Pierce may have actually cost himself or hurt himself by not going to Jimmy in that game because it was such a winnable game. Right. Then I started thinking, I'm like, wait a minute, look how much this defense has improved and the morale of this team has improved since then. And what's the problem here? Well, it's the leftovers of the last regime that was here, the offense, because that was what was supposed to be fixed. So maybe he didn't hurt himself after all, and the easiest thing in the world for Mark Davis to do will be to just go forward with these guys because this locker room loves them so much. Devontae Adams told me himself, I'd run through a wall for that man. And, you know, there, there was a narrative out there for a while that Rich Basaccio could be a candidate. Not true. And that, he, and that Mark Davis regretted not hiring him. Again, not true. My take on it was that Mark may have regretted not taking the temperature of the locker room well enough at that time. Because if you recall, when they introduced Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, not a single player was at that presser. And they right. could have been there if they wanted to be. No, you're, you're absolutely correct with that. And they all stumped. And they all stumped for Basaccia at that point, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. And here's the thing, too, with Basaccia. And I don't know if, if people are following this or not. But Rich Basaccia is is in charge of the special teams with the Green Bay Packers, and they're one of the worst special teams right now. When you look at ranking and that sort of thing, and again, then a couple gaffes again, you know, on on Monday night, it was uh, very 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 glaring. I mean, Rich Basaccia could be out of a job as a special teams coach slash assistant coach with the Green Bay Packers as well, too. So, and that yeah, and that was part of the thing was was. Uh, you know, at the time, and, and Mark Davis has gone on record since then. You know, he he wanted a an X's and O's offensive genius type of coach. He didn't want the warm, fuzzy leader kind of guy, game manager kind of guy. Which is at the time I wrote a big feature on Rich Bisaccia. That's who he was. He he modeled his coaching style after John Robinson, and even though he had never met John Robinson, but he liked the way he managed a football team. So that it was different. Now now with Antonio, he's a little bit closer to the players because he's closer to them in age, certainly and. He had the success as a player, and it resonates. And he has that respect for, for what the Raiders as an organization mean. So that, that goes a long way with Mark as well. All right. Tomorrow night, Raiders and the Chargers. Uh, this is a game that uh, if we went back uh, and looked at this on the calendar, even whatever, beginning of the season or even you know six, seven, eight weeks ago, uh, if I told you that you were getting Aiden O'Connell versus Easton Stick, what would you think? <laughs> I would have said something went horribly, terribly wrong for both franchises during the season. And I said that about, about Aiden at the beginning of the year. And this is not a shot at the kid at all. Right. Um, it's just that you know he, he was picked at the last pick of the fourth round for a reason, and they signed Jimmy Garoppolo, and they bring in Brian Hoyer. I wrote in the preseason, if, if something terrible went wrong, if, if we're seeing Aiden O'Connell at any point in the season. And, you know, here we are. Again, not an indictment on him, an indictment on how everything has gone. So it's just, you know, I, I'm more interested in what the over-under for sacks for Khalil Mack is going to be because, he, <laughs> you know, he, he, he what he performed, you know, he, he get six that one day. Yeah. Uh, of his league-leading 15 came in one game. Yep. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, sped up um, Aiden O'Connell's internal clock is going to be tomorrow night. All right, what do you expect to see uh, tomorrow night? What are we seeing just from a, a a Raiders perspective, a scoring perspective, a matchup perspective here? What's going to happen? I think you're going to see two teams that are going to play with reckless abandon that are going to go out there and just throw the ball all over the field. Now, that's going to open up shots for Max. That's going to open up shots for Khalil. That's going to open up shots for, for uh, Tyree Wilson as well. Uh, he played the best game of his young career last week as well. So I, I think we're going to see guys taking shots because when you get young quarterbacks out there that got nothing to lose, you know, boom, they're going to take advantage of it. And that's what was so disappointing to me about what we saw out of Aiden was going into that game. I had asked Devontae, and I had, I had asked Josh Jacobs, what do you want to see out of him? And they both almost identically said uh, they just want to see him go out there and play and not worry about anything and just let it fly. And that's the exact opposite of what we saw. Right. And so that's my question here. I mean, what makes you think it's going to fly all over the place when the Raiders game plan has always been, you know, ground and pound and commitment to the run and just be so predictable, you know, uh, and and again, especially on, on third down, the lack of success that they've had here. I mean, why should anything change when they have been a very vanilla offense and have committed to running the football? Because, in my opinion, Josh Jacobs is banged up, and he may not even play. And if he's not, are you going to give all those carries to Zemir White? I don't know. If Zemir has success, yeah, you're going to stick with it. But I think that you know, losing three to nothing, uh, I'm pretty sure that there's been a uh, uh, an order issue from up on high. Hey, open this thing up. Let's go. And that that's that's just me. And then again, that's that's a guess. It's an educated guess. I've been covering this team for a minute, and that's just kind of my vibe on it right now. Do not be surprised, ladies and gentlemen, if you see Paul Gutierrez at the sports book uh, going over 34 and a half. Not allowed to. I know. Not allowed to. I That's know. an ESPN thing now. We were just told that. Just got our wrist slapped. And I don't even bet anyway. I know. But, you know, it was it was hilarious. But the day that uh, we got the email reminding us we're not allowed to, to bet on the NFL, things like that, as ESPN employees, my dad is in town. And he asked me my opinion. I'm like, hey, Pops, I'm sorry. I can't. Right. I can't offer anything, and I just look at him. He goes out there and hits a three-team parlay. So there you go. <laughs> Don't let Without ESPN hear advice. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Quiet. Quiet. Without my advice, which is great. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, my friend. Another game with backups, backup quarterbacks. I think this is the fifth game this year that we've seen both teams with backup quarterbacks, whether it was Chicago, Giants, Jets, Vikings, and now the Chargers. And I might be missing one in there. That's insane. Oh, that's that's gross. You know, you're talking about gross games to me. That's just that's not what the league wants. That's not what the league's about. And yet, you know, good for them. They're getting their opportunities because I'm never going to diminish somebody who's living their dream and and doing, you know, playing the game at the highest level in the world. So so gross, but good for them. Gross as a fan, good for them as a human being. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I was looking at this today real quick before we let you go. And I don't know if you've looked at this or wrote this or going to that Garoppolo started six games this year. Aiden O'Connell played in seven, but started six, came in one in relief, right? And both yeah. their stats are almost identical. I believe Aiden O'Connell has, what, 1,300 yards, and Garoppolo has 1,200. Then their interception to to touchdown ratio, which is both upside down, are, are very, very similar here. And, and yeah. their uh, completion percentages are like less than a percentage off, what's, you know, 65 and 64. How crazy yeah. is that? And then uh, let's just say if you if if you are the head coach, and I mean, who's you, who do you feel is, is the best quarterback on this roster to finish out the t- season? Even though we well, know it's going to be O'Don- O'Connell, but it just yeah. begs a question. Oh yeah, the, the, I mean, and in, in just in all those numbers you you just said, I mean, it, it tells me two things: uh, one, that it's the system; it's broken, you know, and it's been broken from day one. And number two. Those, even though their 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 numbers are equal to each other, it's the worst season of Jimmy Garoppolo's career up to this point through six games for any any season in which he started. So that tells you how far he's come back to where the rookie has had to come up to meet him. So that then tells me this: if I extrapolate further from there, that that Jimmy's still the best quarterback in that in that quarterback room, and he and he has been all season long when healthy. And you know, I actually have a pretty big story coming out tomorrow on ESPN.com kind of examining what do the Raiders do at quarterback? Where do they go from here? Looking at the vet, looking at the kid, looking forward. So, and a lot of those numbers are crunching there as well. So hopefully um, you learn something from that too. Besides this, Lucinda Dickey was the actress. Mm. Ninja 3, The Domination, came out in 1984. An evil ninja attempts to avenge his death from beyond the grave by possessing an innocent woman's body. I knew I had it.
Unbelievable. I mean, and, and multitasking while doing an interview without missing a beat. He's sitting there on his phone, computer, wherever he's at. I don't know, underneath the tree outside the Raiders facility. And he comes with that. That is just amazement. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Paul Gutierrez. There it is. Uh, hiring for birthday parties and bar mitzvahs as well, too. Keep your Lucinda Dickey uh, slander away from me. Lucinda Dickey. Have we seen a picture of Lucinda? What does she look like now? Not, you know what? I can't do that on the air. You got to look that up for yourself uh, and then put it on the website. Tweet oh, it out. Oh, I just did. <laughs> I, I, I just did. Oh, my God. She probably looks like we expected her to look, uh, you know, 40 years later. Age 63 right now. Say no more. Uh, from Hutchinson, Kansas. Yeah, and uh, I guess she's a Jayhawk, and they got the Rebels, so go Rebels. All there right, you go. Brother. You got it, brother. Hey, appreciate the time. <laughs> we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. I'll track you down. Sounds good. Take care. All right. There he is. Paul Gutierrez, the best, ESPN.com. Check out his article coming up tomorrow, breaking down the quarterback situation, which we just talked about. I like the way I led him in right to that. Aiden O'Connell, four touchdowns, seven interceptions. Jimmy Garoppolo, seven touchdowns, nine interceptions. Your QBR, your quarterback rating, 74.8 for O'Connell, 78.1 for Garoppolo. Yes, something definitely has gone wrong and been wrong for a long time here, all season long. So you get your favorite thing on Sunday. I get my I, favorite I was, thing? I was just scrolling on, oh. on Twitter. Oh, I get I get to stay home and watch football? and You get to eat, watch yeah. the past. I get to watch the past? The Tennessee Titans are going to the Billy White Shoes, Johnson, uh, Dan Pastorini, Unis? Yeah. That's right, because remember, okay. That means they got to go to the Westgate again. Titans to wear the Oilers uniforms versus the Texans. They did this earlier, and now they're doing it again. And then this game is in Houston, I believe. This one's in Houston because that one was in Tennessee. Yeah. Oh, this is wrong. Your all-time favorite thing. This is wrong. You know what should happen? That Houston should be wearing the Oilers uniforms and then the Titans should be wearing the Oilers uniforms. That would be so fun. The white and the blue. Yeah. That's what they should do. The home and aways should go at it. Now, come on, NFL. You are missing the boat here. Exactly. I mean, do yeah. you know how much that attention that would give here? You could do this. You can do this. It's not too late. I don't want to hear about, oh, you know, the, the Tennessee Titans still own the rights to that and this and that. And we've heard that. Come on. That is just, that's adding insult to injury. You know, that's really what it is. Hey, you Houston fans, look at this. We're coming to play in your stadium, and you get to, we get to have the Billy White Shoes Johnson, the Earl Campbell, the Dan Pastorinis. We get those uniforms back in Houston, virtually on the same property. Those that don't know, NRG Stadium, basically across the street, same parking lot as the world-famous Astrodome. Yes. On the same land, we're going to stick it to you, put it in your eyeball, saying, hey, we're going to wear these uniforms right in front of your face. To me, that's low class, man. That's not like, hey, this, we're paying homage. It's not. That's not what it is. If they mean it to be, then they need to come out and say that. It's a good stuff there. Speaking of good stuff, Andy Isco, handicapper. Going to join us next. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. This doesn't sound like the usual mindless, boring chit-chat. It's the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, we get ready for NFL Week 15. We've got four weeks to go. Four weeks left. Thursday night football tomorrow night right here. Back in Vegas, the Raiders taking on the Chargers. We have two games on Saturday and then Sunday. And, oh, only one Monday Night Football game, thank goodness. Join us now, Andy Isco, who has my all-time favorite name of any football handicapping newsletter. And he's had it for 30-plus years. I'm probably shortchanging. I'm like 35-plus years, nearly 40 years. The Logical Approach, my favorite name. You know why it's my favorite name, Andy? Because that's the way I like to handicap, from a logical approach. Not these ham and eggers out there playing the do theory, playing the numbers, and all this other nonsense. Take the logical approach. That's why I've always 
Love that title, my friend. What's going on? Well, you know, if all of the games played out in a logical manner, it would be wonderful. But it's a funny-shaped ball that does funny things, and then you've got the uh, human element of officials throwing flags, not throwing flags. Uh, so once they kick off, all the logic goes out the window. You just hope that uh, your thought process is correct. And, you know, it's often interesting when you talk about how you do successfully in handicapping and betting, how many times we all remember how many times we lose games we should have won, but we rarely take a look back at the number of games we win, but not for the reasons we thought we would, because that's football. No, that is so true. You are spot on with that. All right, my friend, let's take a look at tomorrow night's game. I don't even know how you begin to handicap this game when you got the Raiders and the Chargers, and the Raiders actually a favorite. Uh, go back in your history books here, uh, Andy, and let me know when's the last time a team that scored zero uh, the last weekend has been struggling mightily and basically is the uh, 32nd ranked offense in just about every statistical category, and they turn around and they're a three-point favorite. Now, granted, they're playing an equally bad team, another game for the Raiders and their opponent featuring backup quarterbacks, uh, total 34-and-a-half. What do you think here, man? Yeah, yeah, I don't remember how long ago it was or what the exact situation was, but uh, sort of like a similar situation a few weeks ago. In fact, when New England was a, I think, a three and a half point road favorite at the, uh, uh, at the Giants, they had just come off of that, uh, uh, Germany game where they lost 10-6 and had a bye. And it's somewhat of a similar type situation where you're asking a, a weak offensive team, uh, to be laying points, albeit this time at home. But I can understand it. You've got Herbert out for the season. You've had a Chargers team that once again has grossly underplayed the level of talent on the roster and you wonder what sort of uh, attitude they have coming in down the stretch where they're all but mathematically eliminated from the playoffs uh, the Raiders are in somewhat of a similar situation you know with their record but you know you take a look at, at the attitude that they showed uh, over the last few weeks since the coaching change you go back to some to this past um, a weekend with uh, uh, the Giants and uh, and their win over Green Bay before the game, despite being so hopelessly out of the playoffs, Saquon Barkley, you know, said, "Don't talk to me about this not being a playoff team. We're still in it." And they went out there and they proved it, despite the fact that Barkley had what turned out to be a costly but over but uh, costly error that uh, they were able to overcome. And I don't know that the Raiders have that kind of attitude. I wouldn't be surprised if they do, but I think they're they've shown uh, this is a totally different team than the team that played under Josh McDaniels. We saw it with, with those first two wins, albeit over the, uh, the then-struggling Giants and Jets, both of whom, by the way, have played significantly better football since then. Um, I can understand them being favored going up against a uh, backup quarterback. On the one hand, you have to be very disappointed with the uh, results of the offense last week, and you know clearly the game t- uh, turned on uh, Renfro's fumble after they finally got uh, inside the uh, uh, the red zone, or you know <laughs> Raiders might have won seven nothing or seven three. But you have to be pleased with the defensive effort. Both teams were coming off of bye, so there was no advantage or disadvantage there. Um, I think we we see an inspired effort out of the Raiders tomorrow night. Uh, I don't know if I will play the game, but the only game I can, uh, the only side I could consider would be the Raiders because this team certainly shows that it has not quit. And I can't th- I can't say the same thing about uh, their opponents. I I agree with you. If you had to play the game, I mean, at first glance, it's like okay, this is a no play. You don't want to play two teams that are a mess and have so many injuries. Uh, you know, the the alarming fact here too is Josh. Jacobs more than likely will not play. So what does that mean? That Zamir White's going to get 20 carries? Or does it mean that the Raiders, you know, open it up with Aiden O'Connell? And that could be disaster. But, uh, you know, another injury note here for the Chargers, Keenan Allen is not going to play as well, too. I just don't know what type of weapons that the Chargers have here with all the injuries they have on both sides of the ball. And don't forget, you know, Bosa has, has missed a lot of time. He's not playing. So defensively, offensively, this is really a mess of a, of a Chargers team. And you got to believe, too, that Brandon Stately is coaching his last four games. Yeah, and again, despite the 3 nothing loss, the defense has to have a great deal of confidence, and I think they're yeah. playing for their head coach. I think they want him to uh, retain the job. Uh, I would certainly be along those same lines of thinking if this team continues to play hard. I certainly don't don't want to see a repeat of what happened uh, with, with uh, Basaccia after his successful run as uh, the interim coach following uh, the departure of John Gruden in midseason. Uh, so I think this team is playing hard. He's instilled a different culture. He's instilled 
don't look. He's won Super Bowls as a player with the Giants, so uh, he knows how to instill a winning attitude. He's been at it long enough as an assistant. I think the players respect him for not just his, what he's done coaching, but his his role as an excellent player during his playing days. All right, Andy Isco joins us. Uh, let's talk about uh, Saturday's uh, game. We got to Minnesota and Cincinnati, so we get a little Saturday football, which is uh, pretty nice. We got some college football too, but a lot of the, you know, lower two bowl games coming up on Saturday. And the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that uh, I've been impressed with, with, uh, since Jake Browning has uh, taken over from my alma mater, Andy, uh, Folsom High School. He was, uh, I was on the Bengals last week. Uh, they took care of business and I kind of leaning towards the Bengals here again, laying a short price at home uh, against a Minnesota team that is making another quarterback change, quarterback number four for the Vikings this year. And uh, again, coming off a three nothing ugly win here in Las Vegas, but uh, give me some thoughts on this game. Bengals favored by three over the Vikes. Yeah, the Vikes continue to play a lot of close games as they uh, did last year. This one was one of the rare games this year that they've won in a close game after they started off struggling uh, to uh, to sort of offset what they did last year when they were the most fortunate uh, uh, team in in, uh, in one score games. Uh, the the Raiders now with uh, with Aiden at quarterback. Uh, uh, they uh, he's settling in a little bit. He's getting more comfortable, more familiar with the receivers and their patterns and everything. And yeah, having Josh Jacobs out uh, may be a negative, but it does give uh, the backup you mentioned an opportunity to see what he can do. He'd be more of a contributor. As most teams in the NFL now don't really rely on just one featured back. They sort of go to not by committee, but they usually have a couple of backs that will alternate throughout the course of games, and that seems to lengthen their careers and also keep them fresher deeper into uh, into games. And going up against you know a quarterback in Mullins who you know has uh, very limited experience throughout his NFL career, and certainly uh, this year, uh, you know Jefferson. Uh, I think they said he's going to be playing now, but even so, how much time has he had an opportunity to work uh, with Mullen? So I could see some disjointed efforts on the part of Minnesota playing a, a, a second straight uh, 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 road game. I was referencing back to the uh, to the, uh, the Raiders uh, Chargers game with the reference to the uh, with the Raiders quarterback there, as far as developing more timing uh, with with his teammates. But getting back to the Bengals, I like the way you know we had that great game out of Browning a couple of weeks ago, and he managed to have a pretty good game. Last Last week in the win over Indianapolis, so uh, I'd like to see the number come down to three. I'm not sure if we will, although yeah, although you know Minnesota has been you know playing enough to be in competitive games where you know when you're playing that many one score games, that half point off of three uh, makes a difference. But uh, I'm I'm more inclined to play the Bengals laying three and a half than I am inclined to play the Raiders tomorrow night, simply because I have a little bit more confidence in what we can get out of the Bengals, especially uh, with both uh, Higgins and uh, uh, and, and um, uh, uh, the uh, the chase of the receiver for the Bengals uh, being both in the lineup now. And Mixon having a good season running the ball. Yep, I agree. Pittsburgh and Indianapolis, Denver and Detroit. That rounds out the triple header on Saturday. 10 o'clock, 1.30, 5.15 respectfully for those games. We just talked about the Vikings and the Bengals. That'll be the morning game. Pittsburgh and Indianapolis, uh, good luck handicapping that game, Andy. And then what do you think? Is it a bounce-back game for the Detroit Lions laying four against the upstart Broncos? You know, I actually like that Pittsburgh-Indianapolis game before turning to the Detroit game. Uh, but uh, I, I, I expect Pittsburgh to bounce back after those two embarrassing losses the last couple of weeks. Indianapolis has had a nice season, but I think they're going to have some trouble with uh, Pittsburgh's physical play, especially, uh, especially on defense. And maybe it's the best thing for the Steelers right now after those two games to finally uh, get out on the road a little bit. As far as Detroit goes, uh, I don't know that they fully recovered You know, from that shocking 38-6 to loss at the Ravens in Week 6. After they were flying high, they have won a few games since then, but not as dominant they were. I, I want to say between weeks three and six, I believe it was. They had a four-game winning streak, and each game was won by uh, double digits. Something I think that they only did once against them, and that was that Monday night game against the uh, uh, against the Raiders. But this is a critical game for Detroit because they're coming off of two road games, and they've got a pair of road games on back uh, on deck uh, at uh, Minnesota and uh, and at Dallas. Uh, uh, which uh, you know, if they can go one and one in those games, they'd be fortunate. So 
they have to take advantage of this opportunity going up a Denver team that at the start of the season we didn't know how long it would take new coach Peyton to get familiar with his personnel and being able to uh, uh, design game plans for especially the offense and let the defensive coordinators take care of that. And we've seen this team progress as any team uh, in the league. They had won those uh, five games in a row after that horrible, I think it was, what was it, one and one five, one and six start. They've won five games in a row. The streak was ended at Houston uh, two weeks ago, but to their credit, they came back last week and happened to find the right opponent, even on the road, and playing the Chargers a game they led wire to wire. So I take nothing away for Denver, but I expect to see some aggressive play out of the Lions on both sides of the football as they try to regain some of that early season swagger that they had. I'm only hoping that that aggressiveness does not translate into penalties that uh, either create good field position for the opposition or take away some big plays that the offense has uh, uh, has created. But I expect Detroit to sort of try and uh, play a little bit of bully in the game this weekend against Denver. All right. We know the Kansas City Chiefs have lost two in a row. Uh, that's the only time that's happened going back to weeks two and three of 2021. And now could it be three in a row? They got a trip to New England. Never an easy place to play. Uh, Bill Belichick, people have asked him if, uh, you know, his job is on the line here. The reporters keep peppering with questions. Here's Bill Belichick today. Yeah, I'm getting ready for Kansas City. That's what I'm doing. Bill, while understanding that you're getting ready for Kansas City, have you and Robert discussed your future beyond the season? Getting ready for Kansas City. For Kansas City. That's, that, that's no no surprise to anyone with, with that response. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, what do you think, Andy? Did Kansas City bounce back in a big way here? I think they do. I don't know that I want to lay the points with them, but they are going up against a team that uh, is really inept on offense this year, and it looks like the Patriots will get a chance to draft uh, one of those uh, uh, elite quarterbacks coming out of college as they'll probably have a five, top five draft choice, uh, barring some remarkless, remarkable uh, conclusion to the season. Uh, I probably will avoid the Patriots, other than perhaps playing them uh, in what is likely to be Belichick's last game in Week 18 when they host Belichick hated rival, uh, the New York Jets. So that might be the time, the only time this year that I will look to be on the Patriots again as I think that the team will will want to send Belichick out on as high a note as possible and what better opponent to do it than the, against a team that he's dominated for years ever since he, he left his uh, one-day stint as Jets head coach. All right, give me a game or two that uh, you get, got your eyes on for Sunday. Uh, for Sunday, I'm looking at... Um, I'm looking at the Bills against the uh, Dallas Cowboys. This could be somewhat of a flat spot for Dallas. Uh, they do have uh, games against Miami and Detroit on deck. They're coming off of that very satisfying win against Philadelphia. The Bills finally caught a break last week with that uh, penalty uh, that uh, you know, they've usually been on the other side. In fact, go back to that 12-man penalty against Denver. Sort of like uh, uh, well, that was, of course, a legitimate penalty. Not that the one the other day against Kansas City was, because uh, Tony was clearly lined up offside. And in fact, if I recall correctly, watching the game, watching the play, the flag was actually thrown before the pass was caught by uh, Kelsey. So uh, it's not as though it was a late flag or anything, to the best of my recollection. So I'm looking at that. I'm also looking at the Rams at home, laying uh, six and a half, I believe it is, last time I saw against the Commanders. The Rams have had a couple of games against some of the weakest teams in the league this year, and that's when they've had their most dominant efforts. Uh, they're a healthy team right now. I like the way that they've been playing. Uh, they were able to uh, come back a couple of weeks ago and put some good wins together. They nearly beat the Ravens uh, last week in what was expected to be a good effort from the Ravens, where we thought the Ravens' defense would hold the Rams down. And the Rams were able to move the ball and nearly uh, nearly won that game, and maybe, uh, but for the safety, they uh, they would have won the game. So, uh, nonetheless, uh, um, I'm, I'm going to be on the Rams this week. Yeah, I can see uh, that. You know, Washington terrible again. The Rams laying six and a half. Just my only fear about that is, I mean, how much did that uh, gut wrenching loss take out of them in Baltimore last week, where basically they had led for a majority of the game, and to lose the way they did, especially you know they thought they had the game in, in control, and then uh, a team that really, if they have any playoff hopes whatsoever, they really needed that victory, Andy. And now they come back home and they're laying six and a half. So uh, we know, you know, Howell can actually move the ball for the Commanders. They really don't have much else but uh that's what scares me off a little bit that thinking the number may be a little too high but i definitely think the rams win the ball game 
Well, you know what? I don't like to necessarily make comparisons because there's really no correlation. But if you go back to the opening, uh, Mon- I believe it was Monday night of the season when the Jets in overtime won on a punt return against Buffalo. Buffalo returned off that excruciating. That's the game where they knocked out uh, Aaron Rodgers for the right. season. Uh, well, I guess they didn't knock him out. He knocked himself out to a great extent. But nonetheless, or supposedly for the season, although I don't think we see him again until next year. Nonetheless, Buffalo game went home the next week. Uh, some were wondering how they would react. They played the Raiders and they blew them out. So I wouldn't be surprised, given the quality of the opponents that uh, uh, that they face this week, that the Rams will have little trouble uh, getting back because they are very much, especially with Seattle taking the fall that they have in the division. You know, the Rams and Seattle might be battling for uh, uh, for a wild card. Seattle is on a four-game losing streak, and who comes to town? Philadelphia Eagles off of back-to-back blowout losses to the two best teams in the NFC and arguably two of the top three or four teams in the, in the league. Yep, no question. Andy Isco, uh, uh, fantastic. I appreciate you as always, uh, my friend. Uh, it, it's great seeing you. We get a chance to do that. Great having you on here. And again, uh, tell all of our listeners uh, how they can uh, get in touch with you, follow your picks, and all that stuff. Uh, the logical approach, the logical approach.com is the website. We update the uh, statistics. Uh, had a little difficulty this week with some internet issues as far as updating daily NBA stats and uh, weekly football stats. Those will be up in a couple of hours for this coming week's matchups. And uh, just looking forward to uh, what I enjoy the uh, bowl season, notwithstanding some of the very dull matchups we have for the first uh, uh, dozen or so games. There are a couple in there this week. I'm looking forward to the Boise State UCLA game. I uh, wouldn't be shocked by the underdog pulling off the upset there, but uh, the games get better as we get deeper into the bowl season. No doubt about it. Andy, appreciate the time as always, my friend. Continue success. Good luck. Thanks, Doc. Appreciate it. You got it. There is Logical Approach, uh, one of my favorites. And again, great stuff. Go to the website at The Logical Approach and check out Andy Isco. All right. I want to thank Andy for joining us uh, today and also Paul Gutierrez from ESPN talking Raiders and also hip-hop movies Pop-Tarts, and a whole lot more, plus the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, as well, too, getting it all in there for you today. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, check it all out at tcmartinshow.com. Tomorrow, we're right back at it on a big-time Thunderous Thursday, and uh, we look forward to tonight's game between Creighton and UNLV at the Dollar Loan Center. So, that is going to be a big test for the Rebels. They are 13 and a half point underdog tonight. Creighton, number eight in the country. Looking forward to that. So make sure that uh, you check out the Rebels. And uh, we'll recap that tomorrow with our good friend Sam Gordon. Plus a whole lot more. James Jones is going to join us tomorrow. The former Green Bay Packers wide receiver. Also spent time with the Raiders. Does a fantastic job on the NFL Network as an analyst now. So James Jones, get to reconnect with him for my days in Green Bay. So that's going to be fun tomorrow. So make sure you tune in for that and a whole lot more. Plus, we take a look at Week 15 in the NFL. For Numb Chuck TC said so long. We'll catch you tomorrow at 2.